All right. So regardless of what Instagram might tell you, friendships are a lot deeper than finding someone that matches your nightclub aesthetic or someone who is willing to drop dollars to take all the girls trips with you. Sometimes we really just need that friend that offers us, you know, advice and most of all the grace to deal with some real life shit and to also blossom and grow. But what do I know? I want to know what you have both learned about, you know, friendship, especially because you both do projects and business together. So are there any moments you've had where you're like, what do I know about friendship? And, you know, how has that, you know, sort of changed over time? Hmm, that's a good question. Uh, I feel like for myself personally, I have outgrown into some extent people pleasing. So I think as an adult, friendship has meant something different to me. I definitely see it and view it as more of a quality over quantity. This is But What Do I Know podcast with Chit Suzanne, a space for affirming, for learning, and for healing. A podcast and community where we're exploring our But What Do I Know moments in hopes that it helps you, the listener, overcome yours. You ready? Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the But What Do I Know podcast. I'm your host, Chit Suzanne, and I just want to welcome you all to yet another episode. It is Wednesday, and, you know, we are on schedule every other Wednesday. If you're subscribed, you get a little notification letting you know that another episode is out. And I know I've mentioned this before, but can I just reiterate that I'm just loving our consistency this season, this year. I'm enjoying the ease with the system that I have, and I really hope that, you know, I can keep this up even through the summer when uh, outside is open, open, and, uh, you know, everyone wants to be outside. We're partying, we're traveling. Fingers crossed. I hope I can keep it up, (laughs) y'all. But yes, before we go any further, if this is your first time tuning into this podcast, welcome. This is your safe little corner of the internet. You know, I hope you enjoy this episode. This is definitely going to be a fun one. So if you do enjoy this episode, you're enjoying what you're hearing, please make sure that you are giving us a five-star rating or review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and that you're just following or you're subscribed on whatever streaming platform it is that you use to listen to this podcast. If you're already in the know, you're already subscribed, you get a notification every other Wednesday. Thank you so much. It's greatly appreciated. Like, you know, you're honestly a part of the community and you're part of what we're we're building here with the Boadwino podcast. All right. Of course, our main segment conversations are also being posted up on YouTube now. You know, we're trying to grow the visual component of this podcast. So if you're if you want to see what I look like, if you want to see what our guests look like, you know, make your way over to the YouTube Boadwino podcast and you can check that out. All right. So before we get into our clean segment, can I just add that, you know, I know we've been getting a lot of rainy days here in Toronto, but I'm kind of enjoying it. Like I like it a lot. I'm enjoying the calm that it brings. I'm enjoying just, you know, drinking my tea or my chai tea latte and staring at the rain. I'm enjoying going on walks when the rain has subsided and that kind of like cool, fresh air. Like I'm just loving it. And it also means that we're one step closer to summer sunshine and 20 plus degree weather. And whew. I'm excited. I'm living for it. And I'm just looking forward to what, you know, the summer season brings. Yes, I'm looking forward to it. All right, let's go ahead and get into our cluing segment for this episode. 
All right, so for our clue segment for this episode, we're going to start off talking about some upcoming events and festivals that are taking place here in the city of Toronto. Yes, it is spring, the weather is getting warmer, and that means we are taking these events outside. All right, so towards the end of May, May 27th and 28th to be specific, there is a festival that will be taking place called Doors Open. And this is a really cool event. It's very, it's typically very low key and only certain people tend to know about this event or attend this event. But this event allows the public to essentially explore the city's most loved buildings and sites free of charge. Essentially, just like the title says, doors open, buildings have their doors open. And you can sort of attend, tour, scope out different buildings that have like historic or cultural significance to the city. So things like Aga Khan, St. Lawrence Hall, the El Macambo building. Um, and you can kind of just, you know, check it out for free. And I think this is a really cool, you know, low-key event to have on a nice spring or summer day. It's also a really cool date night or date day event. You know, inflation has been inflating. So, you know, if you want to have fun and be outside this spring and this summer, but, you know, keep it light on your pockets. I think Doors Open is definitely a good choice and the buildings are definitely cool. And also for for content creators who are looking for, you know, new places and spaces to take your content. Some of these buildings are actually really good locations like the Aga Khan Museum, that huge white wall backdrop. My content creator friends have definitely taken some content there and it is fire. So this could also be a good way to also check out, you know, new locations to to take your content. So check out Doors Open Toronto. It's happening May 27th and May 28th here in the city of Toronto, free of charge. All right. So then for May, we're going to skip a little and get into July. I know we have a little bit of time until this particular event takes place, but that just means, listen, you have time to get your dashikis, your kente, your Ankara prints. <laughs> you have time to get all of those ready. And this event is the AfroFest Toronto. This year, it'll be taking place from July 7th to July 9th. This is an annual event, and it typically always takes place at Woodbine Park and Woodbine Beach. And this year, it's the same. So you got three days of food, Afro-Caribbean food, of, of vendors, drinks, you know, DJs on the main stage and the smallest stage, dance contests, Afro beats playing, I'm a piano playing. It's a good ass time. So AfroFest Toronto. And I believe this is also free to get into the space, into the park slash beach area. But of course, you have to pay for food. You got to pay for whatever you're buying and certain parts you might you may have to pay to have access to. But for the general area, this is also free of charge to get into as well. So another, you know, inexpensive way to have fun this summer. Listen, we're trying to keep a light on the pockets while we have fun. So <laughs> AfroFest Toronto, July 7th to 9th. Check that out. All right, so for our song of the week for this episode, we're going to be listening to something different. This song is called Very Few Friends by St. Levant, and I found out about the song through TikTok, actually. It's been kind of going viral slash making its rounds, and I was just drawn to the melody and the artist's voice on the track. So this artist is multilingual and multicultural. They're actually Palestinian, French, Algerian, and Serbian. And this is evident because they're speaking multiple different languages on this track and it is fire, like fire. I love it. So this is from the EP called From Gaza With Love. And I just love the way that the artist has sort of created this like sultry R&B rap little pocket. And I'm enjoying it. I'm a fan of this kind of rap. Um, so let's go ahead and check out Very Few Friends by St. Levant. I would then come back to show you who 
opponent fly you to Beirut for the winter time Don't post about it online Took her to dinner at Hamra And one thing she kept telling me She has very few friends She's focused and has very few friends You take away all my focus But I'm down Gotta bring you back to my town Bienvenue dans mon quartier Sur son bras c'est du quartier Elle veut que je lui parle en français Listen, when the song said she's focused and has very few friends, I said, hands up, that's me, boo. I'm focused and have very few friends. <laughs> Um, but that song is an absolute vibe. So if you enjoy that, you know, make sure to check out Very Few Friends from the From Gaza with Love EP project on all streaming platforms. Check it out and get into that mood this week. All right. It's time to get into our main segment conversation for this episode. And I'm really excited. This is the first time on the podcast that we had not one, but two guests being recorded together. So this was very much like group chat, but audio format. And it was a vibe. We are recapping the TV show Harlem. So if you haven't watched it, please stop, go watch it, season one and season two, and come back and get into this recap because there are going to be all types of spoilers throughout this episode and throughout this conversation. But this was a vibe. Thank you to the ladies of the Cove Collective for joining me to have this conversation and to break the show down. This was amazing. I'm looking forward to doing more of these show recaps. So any show that y'all want me to recap, send it my way i'm down but let's go ahead and get into our main segment conversation For our main segment for this episode, uh, a lot of listeners have been sort of asking about this particular episode. So here it is. This is the episode where we are chatting all things Harlem, the TV show. And I'm really super excited. I've been doing some coordination, trying to figure out the best person to our best people to talk about this with. And so on this episode, we have Ashley and Liana of the Cove Collective. And the Cove Collective is a community that celebrates the joy, creativity, and culture of BIPOC women through the power of storytelling. Um, they are also the creators and hosts of Shaping the Narrative, which is a podcast and newsletter where they have thoughtful conversations about books, movies, TVs, TV shows, and also podcasts. So hence why they are the perfect pair to have this conversation with me. <laughs> so welcome, Ashley and Leanne. I'm so happy that you guys are here. I'm excited to talk to in Harlem. Can't wait to get into it. <laughs> Thanks for having us. I'm excited to be here too. Yes, thank you. Same. Can't wait to talk about it. <laughs> yes, I feel like this season, there was a lot to talk about this season. Season one was sort of, was okay. And season two, I feel like I saw more of the character development. So I'm really excited to get into it. But before we get into Harlem, I want you ladies to have you know, the opportunity to share with the listeners a little bit more about yourselves, you know, the projects that you got that you have on the go, um, the podcast, the newsletter. So let the audience know a little bit about Cove Collective and Shaping the Narrative. Sure. So Cove Collective sort of started when Ashley and I uh, were hanging out once and just kind of discussing the lack of 
creative spaces at the time for women of color and just how mm-hmm. certain events, like I used to go to this book event in the city and it was actually a really great event, but it was predominantly white women who would always be in the room. And Ashley being a graphic designer and myself being an event producer, those are both creative industries that tend to be dominated by white men. And when there are women in the industry, mm-hmm. it's mostly white women. And so we were just talking about how we really wanted to create a space where we could, well, it started at, as us wanting to create a space for creative women. But through our love of books and reading, it slowly developed into a space that kind of centered women and storytelling. And when we first had these conversations, it was right before the pandemic hit and the pandemic hit. <laughs> so we decided to kind of have these conversations on a podcast because that seemed like the the best place to have that at that time. And since then, it has grown and we have done a few in-person events. We've done like women's networking events. We've had a all-women, ven- like BIPOC women vendor market. Um, but in the last few months, we've kind of decided that we wanted to go back to our original roots and just kind of focus on storytelling. And that's kind of where our podcast is at now and where the newsletter comes in. And Ashley, I don't know if you want to share a bit about the newsletter. Yeah, we definitely wanted to um, have a place where we could write about anything related to storytelling. Um, I think writing is something that both Leanne and I enjoy as pastime things, but neither one of us were like, oh, like we're actually writers, but we decided we were going to push ourselves like we did three years ago. We both individually thought it thought of the idea of having a podcast, but neither one of us wanted to do it individually. So we did it together. So same with the newsletter, we're writing it together. We alternate months and we just cover anything and everything related to storytelling. And that's basically the core of what Cove Collective has been at the beginning, from the very beginning in 2020 and all the way to almost three years now, which is amazing to see the growth and evolution. And so in the newsletter, we talk about different things that we've consumed in the past month. Um, we, we talk about different topics that relate to each of us individually. We do like mini essays or short stories um, or poetry, which eventually will happen, I'm sure. And then also we have um, bonus newsletters where we talk about um, or t- talk to different people. Like I've talked, we talked to authors. Um, I talked to Danielle Prescott earlier this year. Her memoir, uh, Token Black Girl, came out in October, I believe, of 2022. Um, and the whole goal is just to talk to different people related in related fields to get their perspectives and just to learn more and hear, you know, hear and share stories, basically. Mm-hmm. When you said poetry, I'm like, whew, because I love listening to poetry and I just find it so beautiful. And it's a great like art form and a form of storytelling as well. So that would be a cool addition for sure. Um, I remember what drew me. I started following the Cove Collective page. And then I think what sort of drew me to the platform and the community started listening to the podcast because I started my podcast in 2020 during the pandemic as well, because that's when life slowed down and we all kind of had time to take on more like side project. Uh, But I really liked the book club aspect. So I would kind of keep track of the books that you were reading and sort of get in um, your followers and that community involved and stuff. So I thought that was really, really cool. Yeah, so keep Thank it up. Thank you. <laughs> I, tr- I still track, I still follow, I still see like, okay, what book are they reading this month? Yeah, I guess we didn't yeah. even mention the book club, but we do have a, a book club as well. It's just kind of the extension. And since we switched to Substack, that's how people can join the book club if they're interested mm-hmm. um, in joining. And it's really just conversation between me, Ashley, and our book club members. And we chat about um, the book. We have had the author present at some of our uh, book club meetings, which is fun too. 
And it's just kind of that's it. That's yeah. Cool. And it just serves as a bit of a safer space, I guess. Not that you can totally create a safe space, but a safer space for women to chat about books about women of color without having people in the room who don't really understand the perspective because sometimes harm can come up if you're talking about, I don't know, like queerness or blackness or whatever it is. If you're talking about these things and you don't have people in the room uh, who may understand where you're coming from, sometimes harm can come from those conversations. So uh, our book club is Mm. at the moment exclusively for women of color for that reason, but we've been enjoying it. It's been fun. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. And you need safe spaces like that. And like you said, it it can never really be 100% safe, but I can guarantee you that a book club is a lot safer than when you post on Instagram and the trolls start coming in your comments. Mm -hmm. And yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. (laughs) Um, All right. So we're going to get into Harlem a little bit with this next question that I have for you both. So here on the podcast, this is the Boaduino podcast, and we're sort of exploring moments of of doubt, of hesitation, moments where you sort of thought to yourself, like, but what do I know about any particular facet of life to sort of, you know, help listeners overcome um, similar moments that they may be having, right? So this week for this for this episode, I chose friendship because that's sort of the common theme and thread in the TV show Harlem. So I want to know what you have both learned about, you know, friendship, especially because you both do projects and business together. So are there any moments you've had where you're like, what do I know about friendship? And, you know, how has that, you know, sort of changed over time? Hmm. That's a good question. Uh, I feel like for myself personally, I have outgrown into some extent people pleasing. So I think as an adult, friendship has meant something different to me. I definitely see it and view it as more of a quality over quantity type of situation. Yeah. Um, And, Mm. you know, realizing and understanding that just in general as a society, everyone has their own unique path and the kind of like life path. And so I think having that awareness in friendships, especially as you evolve, like I've had, I have have one friend who I've known for almost 20 years. And I think a big part of that friendship is just being supportive throughout each of our phases of life where, you know, you may not be in the same situation, but you're still supportive and showing up. And I think that this show Harlem definitely reflects that in the four the four female characters and their friendships because you know they're so different and they come from different backgrounds and different family dynamics and they have different things going on in their lives but they still show up for each other so I guess that would be mm-hmm. my answer <laughs> yeah what about you Leanna this is a topic that Ashley and I have talked about quite a few times as well because I don't know if you've heard of the book big friendship uh, but we we read this. Mm. We both read this book called Big Friendship, and it's about these two women who had a podcast together called Call Your Girlfriend. And um, oh. this whole book was about their friendship and how to make friendship last over a long period of time, uh, especially if your friendship might have distance between the two because the two of them lived in a different state. And I think, in my experience, and just from the friendships I've had over the last few years, you realize that as you get older, friendships become about flexibility. And it's about knowing, yeah, like knowing that your friends can meet you where you're at at that time, that you can grow together mm-hmm. and that there's flexibility there. Our schedules change as we get older. We have a lot more either work commitments or family commitments, whatever path your life is taking you on. And finding friends who can evolve through those changes with you and who can be flexible with you and know that 
Sure, maybe we don't hang out every other day like we did when we were 21, but I know that we can still be there for each other in other ways. And I'm flexible in seeing you in times that work for both of our schedules. Um, I I think that's kind of where I'm at with friendship right now in this season of my life. Mm -hmm. No, I echo both of what you said. It's the flexibility and then also the quality over quantity. I think when I was, I was younger personally, I sort of wanted to be the person that had a lot of friends. I wanted to be not necessarily popular, but I wanted to have like, you know, I was like, oh, I want to go on big trips when we're older and have like 10, 15 girlfriends and da da da. But now I'm like, I like the four that I have. And that's where I'm at. And I also think about if you are to take the time to cultivate and grow like valuable, meaningful friendships, it takes time. How can you spread yourself between like, 15 to 20 people if we think on a month-to-month basis with everything else that we have going on it's it's a lot so i definitely uh i definitely agree well ashley you kind of started getting us there with talking about you know harlem and the friendships and um how these these women are you know coming from different backgrounds different families so what did we think of season two the new the latest season what did you think of season two what do we think of the friendship dynamics did we like it? Were there any tropes that we didn't, we weren't a fan of? They definitely squeezed a lot of stuff into eight episodes. I'll say that much. Um, yes. It felt like a roller coaster ride. And yes, <laughs> it like I, and I blinked. I got through the season so quickly, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, okay, that's a lot to take in." Um, yeah. Was there anything I didn't like? I mean, one person that really like irks me is Ty. Like, I just really want Ty to grow. Um, Me too. And I feel like she's getting there, but just, I don't know. Like, I thought it was very odd that, like, that whole um, secret husband situation, like, that just seemed like something considering how close they were as friends that the fact that no one knew was shocking to me. Mm -hmm. Um, That really, like, kind of threw me for a loop. Um, And one thing that really bothered me that I did not appreciate is when... um, uh, who was it? It was Camille and Quinn. They're drunk and think it's a brilliant idea to show up at her professor, like Camille's boss's house. And yes. in that moment, I was like, ooh, but wouldn't you just be like, you know what, girl? You know, you can just say it to me. Like, just say it to me. Like, just say anything and everything that you want to say to your boss to me. And then tomorrow morning mm-hmm. when you're sober and, you know, can remember what you're saying, maybe rethink what you're, you know, think it over kind of deal like I was kind of shocked that that went down especially because like Quinn seems like such a goody two-shoes that I was kind of I was like okay if it was Angie that was with her the kind of you know math was mathing if that had been her but because it was Quinn it kind of felt a bit off um but mm. those are the standouts for me yeah it's funny you mentioned that about Ty because I have her we're gonna get into her character later because Ty child I want you to grow uh please please grow up um But I really appreciated, again, the variety of characters and, again, their personalities, because there's a similar show to Harlem called Run the World. Again, it's four friends based in Harlem about, you know, friendships, love, relationship, all that stuff. I believe they've only had one season be released, but I thought the characters were a little too similar and we weren't getting a range in like personalities and stuff. Right. So I appreciate what Harlem has done in that regard. Season one, I didn't like what they did with Angie. 
Season two, I was happy for the character development and the growth. It was fleshed out a little bit more to me. I feel like season one, I was annoyed that, okay, so the dark skin, very bold black friend is the one that has to live with her friend, doesn't have a job, is like struggling. I just, I don't know. Maybe that's my pride, my ego. I was just like, I don't like this. As a dark skin woman, I'm not a fan. But this season, I like the growth. I like what they did. I appreciated even seeing Angie's family dynamic. And I was like, okay, cool. I get it. I, I get it. I get it. So yeah. Mm -hmm. I agree. I appreciate that every main character kind of has a full storyline and their own emotional journey yes. and something that they have to go through. Um, each person is well thought out and it provides. And I love that from the first season, like you don't love all the characters and they do have issues because that means they actually have a path for character development, which black women, mm, yeah, black women don't always get that in television shows. They don't have like a storyline or flaws or anything that they can develop or grow from. It's just kind of more of like a shtick of a person. Um, but I will say that I actually like Ty. I think she's probably my favorite out of the four of them. And I, I will say that, you know, as somebody who identifies with the LGBT community, sometimes there tends to be a stunting, an emotional stunting of queer people because they have their quote unquote puberty later in life. And so especially as somebody who okay. kind of came out as queer later, She's going through her high school fuckboy phase right now. Like it makes. Yeah, yeah that's what I was it, about to say. It makes okay. sense because okay, she's fair. just started dating women in the last maybe 10 years or however many years. So she's not to say that this is like all queer people are emotionally stunted. That's not what I'm saying. But sometimes there tends to be a little bit of a growing, exploring yourself later in life, which causes you to kind of have a different path. I do think we are seeing some growth from her. And I, I love yes, that she's also sure. like a badass, like she's got this badass like business and she's friggin' killing it. But as somebody who is black and queer, like it probably was very hard for her to come out to her family and to her friends. So a mm -hmm. lot of the things that you're seeing with her emotionally makes total sense. And I think that her character specifically, like there's a lot of room for character development. I think we're going to see a lot more of yeah. a storyline with her in the next season. And I'm excited for that. Yeah. And like you mentioned, you know, be hiding things from family, hence the secret husband, which, you know, you sort of mentioned, Ashley, and that makes sense. I OK, you know what? I like that because I think that you were all you were able to offer a perspective that I wasn't necessarily thinking about. You're right. You're right with that. And I do think that she is badass. She's killing it in the corporate sphere. She's just. But it's so interesting to sort of see how see the vulnerability and I guess the duality, how like, you know, in the corporate space, she's this badass, she's in control. And then when it comes to her love life and sexuality, she's sort of not figuring it out. But the word she used in the season was trying to build connections. And she, you know, goes and buys these plants and is trying to kind of, you know, nurture it and see if she can sort of build connections. So I think it's interesting too to see that duality of how we kind of operate in different spaces in our lives. It's like, you can absolutely be killing it in the works fair. And then when it comes to your love life, you're a like, hot mess. I ain't got a fucking clue. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, totally. Agree. Yeah. I also want to see more of a soft side to Ty too, because I feel like she deserves to have yes. a soft side. And yes. it's just been a lot of like being like, I love seeing her be a badass and like own it and know that she's amazing and she's doing this amazing thing by creating this app. But I would also love to see Ty just like take time to just like, you know, be like, I love seeing her try to attempt to keep a plant alive and just kind of mm -hmm. slow down and explore her soft side. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think that's what 
was missing for me is just seeing her kind of be, you know, gentle. And I know soft and soft life are words that are getting thrown around a lot these days. But yeah, to your, you're right. Just to be a little bit more open. So hopefully that's something we get to see in season three. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to that. But for a relatively um, new show, it's doing really well. I mm-hmm. think that there's definitely a path for, yeah. for growth and we're going to see more from the characters in the next season. But you could already see the improvement from season one to season two. So I'm excited for the next season. Mm-hmm. For sure. So, you know, since we got into talking about Ty, I have to ask about this is the last episode. So episode eight. It's one of the final seasons where she gets entangled with the mom and the daughter. So the mom is the lady who owns the plant shop or works at the plant shop. And then she's been sleeping with the daughter. And I was like, wait, Ty, no. I was so upset. (laughs) I was so upset. It kind of felt like, dang, she was finally going to maybe have a good thing. And now are the producer, like, are are the writers taking it away from us? Like, is she going to work it out with this lady in the next season? Or is this? Is it going to be too? Because right. obviously she had no idea this was her daughter. And like this girl yeah. was an ongoing kind of like hookup buddy through the whole season. So I don't like really fault her for that. But it's just a really unfortunate. It's kind of like, why do you guys have to do this to us? I was hoping for her to have some happiness with somebody. But I don't know. I guess we'll see where it goes. Yeah, that I was shocked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, like, I screamed at the TV. I was like, no, there's no way. Because I was like, I can't see her coming out of this and keeping that maintaining that relationship with the woman who owns the plant shop. Like, I just can't see it happening. So it was like, great. I got so attached to this person. And I was really enjoying seeing the the side of Ty that we didn't get to see that she brought out in Ty. And oh, I guess I just have to wait and hope and see that there's someone else because like, I don't know. I really want to see. Um, I'm curious to see where they go with that next season. Yeah. Oh, me too. I hope they don't ruin it. Please, please, please. <laughs> um. So we're going to sort of segue from Ty to Camille's character, but I do want to do it with, you know, talking about this scene. Um, and it was a very interesting scene. It was the scene of where Camille and Ty both go to the clinic and they're sort of um, getting tested and sort of starting to prep for potentially the journey of motherhood. Right. And I'm just sort of interested, you know, what did you sort of think about that scene? Um I feel like it's a scene that we haven't really seen a lot of, especially when it comes to this homegirl comedy TV genre. So I really liked it. And I liked how they made the result sort of unexpected. Like, it would have been nice if Ty was the one that got the result that she wasn't really able to have children and not Camille. But the way they sort of switched around, I thought that that was clever. Um, So yeah, just wanted to get your thoughts on that. I definitely loved the fact that it was included in the show. I think it's a very important mm-hmm. discussion and topic. I think the uh, mm-hmm. assumption that women are just going to become mothers is kind of just rude because it really doesn't, it mm-hmm. takes away your like individuality as a human being. Um, and I agree with yeah. you, like the fact that it was Ty who got the results back that said like, oh, like you're actually like ready to go. And then Camille got back like, oh, actually it's going to be really hard for you. Um, and specifically with speaking about Camille, I like that it made her realize and kind of reflect on a past version of her. And how that Paris version was kind of more open to having kids. And then how, you know, that had been like, what, five, six years ago or maybe almost a decade ago and how she's evolved and who she is now and making her kind of face the reality of that. Hearing that news was devastating because, you know, there are people who get that yeah. news and are devastated by the fact that they can't have kids not that way. 
And therefore, mm-hmm. what, how are they going to move forward to become a mother? But for Camille, it was kind of like, okay, that's good to know. But she didn't really react in a way that's like, oh, I, this is something that I need to have and need to become. Um, mm-hmm. So I really appreciated that. And the fact that she was willing to you know, stand in her truth and that that's not necessarily something that she sees for herself. Yeah. So Camille, what do we think of her character and character development this this season? Of course, the season starts off with her kissing mm-hmm. Ian when Homeboy's supposed to be getting married. So, oh, Camille, <laughs> I mean, I I appreciate that the show has this really unique angle of introducing each episode through the lens of like academia, and also will give some kind of yes. BIPOC woman history, like, um, and that Camille is the voice. Um, of that I think it's yeah. cool it, yeah. she's clearly like kind of the narrator of the show and that kind of POV is really interesting but her as a character mm. is slightly irritating and annoying she's kind of like the Serena Vanderwoodson of like Gossip Girl or like the Carrie Bradshaw of Sex in the City it's like you love them but you're annoyed by them at the same time um, right. I think she, <laughs> she definitely has growth and I love seeing her and her career and her and her friendships I think is great, but I just don't understand how her and Ian clearly did not even have the conversation about children. You literally broke up. Oh my you broke God. up this man's marriage, and you guys got back together for what purpose? Like, like, if you guys haven't even had deep conversations, I'm not sure how you don't. I'm not sure how you thought this was going to work because me and my fiance, like, before we even met or had like our first kind of date we spoke about really intense things. Like what are your views on politics? What are your views on religion? How do you feel about kids? Like how do you feel about money? Cause when you're in your thirties and you're kind of dating for, for marriage or you're looking for something serious, I think it's important to have those conversations. And it's very clear that they were not having those conversations. So I'm not sure why they, <laughs> I'm just not sure why they broke up a marriage over something like this. Thank you, because I was watching it. So when the season was going, I was like, okay, great. Like, Jameson's out of the picture. She's going to end up with Ian. This couldn't have all been for nothing. And then we're hearing the news about children. Okay. And then she sort of goes through this, like, reflective journey. And I love, like you mentioned, I really love the take of, like, that academia, anthropologist, sociologist, like, narration of each episode. And we're seeing her kind of like, you know, read, figure out that she really, you know, loves her work and is getting back into it really heavily. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, Ian, I decided I don't want to have children. I'm like, wait, what? Like, what's going on? So, yeah, I was uh, I was heartbroken, to say the least. (laughs) Yeah, it was sad for me, but also like I think. It's like, I don't know, I think maybe she was more willing when she was in a younger, like the younger version of her in a relationship with him. It seemed from the flashbacks that she was more willing to do that. And then as she had grown and matured, realized that it was actually something that she didn't want to have to do just to make the other person happy. And that like, you know, you should want, like if your partner wants that so badly and you don't, like you have to question like whether or not like that's something you're willing to do, you know, to make your partner happy, but it's a huge commitment um, and you should never feel forced to do it. So it kind of sucked to see them and things um but honestly i wasn't mad about the whole mirror thing because i feel like he rebounded really hard with mira and that was never gonna yeah, work out facts. anyway like that just seemed like a mess 
like when she yeah, said facts. when she admitted mm-hmm. that she'd seen them kiss that night i was like you didn't go home and talk to him and be like what was that about like mm-hmm. you, <laughs> what what's going on there it's yeah you just, just so waited for it yeah, yeah. No, that's so right and Ashley, you you brought up a good point about you know you said she might have been willing when she was younger um to have children and now and it just makes me think like you know we're always growing and evolving but then when you get to that point where you're like i feel like i've changed but you were doing that changing and growing while you were in the relationship i think that does bring it to the ending that they had so it's possible that you know they had the conversation and it was a yes back then and now as she's grown you know it's just changed over time for her so that's a good mm-hmm. perspective to have too yeah i also agree with liana and that she annoyed me but i will say meeting her mother in the second season made made her make sense made her yes. neediness with her made her close bond with her previous boss it made sense and then also the new boss like the fact that she needed her to like her like i was like oh this this explains everything and so i could have some compassion for her but like not knowing that i was like you're driving me crazy Mm -hmm. you really are i love you dearly but you're driving me crazy Mm -hmm. you gotta stop (laughs) yo i did not expect that her mom to be that character but i really i liked it because like you said it it really answered a lot of questions for me but i just wasn't expecting it i thought she would be sort of word um a lot more i guess like quote unquote put together mm-hmm. right and and I, but i really like the vulnerability and then in the final episode when you see her come to camille's event i was like oh okay this is really sweet like yeah 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 and again i think it's a good thing though that camille has annoying attributes and that ty has a, like that each of them has things that we don't like because it gives them space to grow we know that okay this is the area where this character is going to grow and change rather than just being this flat one note character um that Mm, doesn't have mm -hmm. you know negative or positive characteristics so the the show is doing well for that yeah so then jameson he's not out of the picture because i don't remember if it was episode seven or episode eight um and he sort of alluded to the fact that he's not over it. And um, I feel like season three, we're going to see uh, Jameson and Camille re- revamp, reboot. <laughs> I think so. I think, yeah. I think he's going to come yeah. back around. I feel like he wasn't a total rebound for her. Like, I feel like yeah, she I agree. kind of was like, oh, let me just date this guy because I need to kind of be with someone or I want to try to move on. But then she really got to like, I think she really ended up falling for him, but the timing is just mm-hmm. off. Um, yeah. So it's possible that it might come back around and be better timing. Mm-hmm. And I also think he was good for her. Like, I think I see a lot of similarities and they were, I think they were going in the right direction, but like you said, timing and yeah, she just, she loves her some Ian. <laughs> yeah. She's just in a weird headspace too, right? Like she did not expect to see him. She did not expect to then see him again at an event and then be like introduced to his fiance. And then she yeah. doesn't realize it's his fiance and realizes, and then she's like, Oh, I think I actually want to get back together with you. And then he's like, Oh, by the way, I'm getting married in like two weeks. Like, you know, yeah. like, so I think if she had had the headspace, like, I feel like if he hadn't showed up, she would, her and Jameson would have lasted because I, I like them as a couple. I like to support of her. Um, mm-hmm. I like that they could challenge each other intellectually. Um, I thought it was funny when she realizes that he kind of like cyber creeped her. <laughs> like that yeah. made me laugh. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I that that made me chuckle. But yeah, overall, I am hoping to see him again in season three, um, and see where that goes for them as a okay. couple or their dynamic okay. for sure. Um, 
Okay, Quinn. Let's get into Quinn's character because I feel like Quinn to me in season one, not was not that she was very one dimensional, but I feel like I was like, okay, this girl, you know, she owns her fashion store and she wants to find a man. Like she wants to find a man. She wants to find a man. But season two, we're starting to see, okay, mental health. Oh, sexuality. Okay. So what did we think about Quinn's character? I liked Quinn. Uh, I agree. I think season one, she was a little bit more like one note and almost a little bit irritating, like a little bit annoying, her character. Just very yeah. like high pitched and girly all the time and just like a in a flat kind of way. Um, but we are seeing more growth and more development from her. I love that they brought in a lot of mental health um, storyline mm -hmm. with that character and that they're talking about mental health, specifically like black women's mental health. We know that that's not something that women of color you know, across like ethnicities don't really get to talk about their mental health in the same way. So that was important. And I do also like that they made her queer on some level because it, it made Ty's character not like a token instead of saying like, oh, there's just like the token gay in the group. No, there's other women in the group where I'm maybe going to explore their sexualities. Uh, the one thing that I kind of, you know, I, I, not that I didn't like it, but I'm kind of on the fence about is the fact that she had this relationship with this woman and then all of a sudden I was gonna ask. it's just yeah, background go to this. a man. And it's like, that tends to be the storyline for bisexual or I don't know if this character is bi, they've, they've never identified her, but yeah. usually when a woman in a TV show explores a relationship with a woman, it's almost a phase and we very quickly it's see them blip. go back. Yeah. But yeah, I, I do yeah. appreciate though that they showed how deep that relationship was and how heartbroken she was because it kind of shows yeah. You know, there's still a real relationship there, even if you are in a same-sex relationship, and there's still mm -hmm. an incredible feeling of loss and heartbreak when that relationship ends. So I like that they showed the depth to her relationship, but we'll see. Maybe she'll be kind of going back and forth between genders in the next season, or right. I, I would appreciate if they continued that plot line with her rather than mm -hmm. just ending it after this season. So we'll see. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it would have been nice to have Isabella come back. And thank you for getting into that, Liana, because that was something that I was going to mention is, did it seem inappropriate? Was it Because I feel like at first I was like, ah, uh, no, not this. Like, we're going to have her experiment a little bit. But as it sort of went on and I saw how heartbroken and it seemed like she really took it seriously, I was like, okay, I, I get it. And I understand that, you know, it's completely possible and acceptable for her to explore so I, I sort of understood it one scene that had me dying was when she was um with Ty and Ty was like okay this is your first <laughs> your first time having sex with a woman let me help you and they went shopping together and she's like okay um where do I put these are these earrings and Ty's like no 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 honey that's not where those go and then by the end, the cashier rings up everything. And why did it come up to like a thousand plus dollars? And Ty's like, being queer is expensive. And I was like, oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, no, that scene took me out. That was funny. <laughs> I like that they incorporated some humor. Well, they incorporate humor basically in everything, which is fun. Yeah. But yeah, it was, it was hilarious for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I agree, though. I, I, I mean, as an ally to the LGBTQ plus community, I will say that I was happy to see that Ty wasn't the token in the group, but mm -hmm. hoping that Quinn explores her sexuality more in season three, because I was disappointed that after her heartbreak, 
with Isabella yeah. that she kind of just like threw herself at that like college love yeah and then, college sweetheart yeah yeah, yeah. yeah and then exactly. I was like oh okay I was like all right cool so um what happened to your whole pride outfit this is being your first pride and ask, like you know what I mean like that yeah that she did a like, lot with pride sorry to cut she, you off but that pride yeah she went zero to a hundred she she yeah she wow. popped off I would say it's yeah. pride mm-hmm. I was like Quinn come down like <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. I yeah. will say also about Quinn her mother makes her make sense like meeting yes. her mother seeing yes. that dynamic over and over again i was like oh wow okay you know yeah. bless your heart for like you know getting through that because that's hard um yeah so i will say that too like i could sympathize with her more and knowing her mom but yes hoping that in season three that we do get to explore quinn exploring herself and maybe exploring her sexuality within that as well yeah and you said self which is perfect for my next point is we see her break up with this college sweetheart at the end And I feel like we're going to see her sort of prioritize herself, prioritize her mental health in season three before she sort of gets into dating, which I like because I feel like in season four, Quinn was really naive. Like every little thing, she's like, oh, he's a lawyer. And her friends have to be like, girl, are you sure this one's a lawyer? Because the last one you told us that was a lawyer really wasn't or he he didn't show up. Like when she went on on the date and ended up having to take the subway, lost her wallet. So I'm looking forward to Quinn having some time to just focus on self before sort of getting back into the dating arena. Yeah. Agreed. I wanted to, to find the common sense that says, don't leave your purse with a man that you don't know at the bar. Yeah, Who does that? Why? It's because it's because she's like, you know, just so desperate for love. She was thinking, oh, if I leave my purse, then he can't leave. Yeah. He can't walk out on me on the uh-huh. date. But girl, like, he, he, it, he left with your purse. Is it change? <laughs> I was like, is it change the bar? If it's not change the bar, that he can most certainly leave. And he left with yes. all your belongings. So oh, yeah, that, that drove me crazy. so bad. I was like, Quinn, please come on. Like, um, <laughs> but sorry, last thing on Quinn. I really liked at the end, her openness about, her mental health challenges. Like I feel like at first she was very much, she was hiding it from, from the girls. She was hiding it from everyone, her family, friends. And I think we sort of saw the switch once she talked to her mom, when they went on their trip to, where did they go to? Was it Mexico? Dominican Republic, I believe. Okay. Yes. Once they went on their trip and then her mom showed up and they had that conversation, I think getting that affirmation from her mom switched something in her. And after that, she was like, huh, okay. Dad is taking pills. Cool. Like I can do it too. Mm -hmm. So I feel like she needed and I'm happy Mm -hmm. that she got that from her mom because she really needed her mom to just like Mm -hmm. sit down and listen to her for once and really hear her. I think that's why it's so important to talk about mental health, especially in black communities when we kind of avoid it. Um, because again, like she felt so seen by knowing that her father also deals with that. And then it's like, oh, I'm not alone in this. Therefore, I can do this too. And I don't need to avoid the solution for or solutions or trying different things. I can, you know, make a change and see what happens. And so I really love seeing that and having an open discussion in the show. Mm -hmm. What did we think of her mom police in her dating? Like that was really (laughs) extra something. (laughs) That was a lot. Again, it made sense. And, you know, coming like I'm African and I have some Caribbean friends so I can sort of identify those characteristics and being like, no, you have you have to get a nice, nice Nigerian man. He has to da, 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 from this background. So, like, I identified and I like that they added that layer, too. But I was like, girl, you got to chill. Like- I know you got to <laughs> chill. I think I mean, a shout out, though, her mom is like a little nod from I don't know if 
either of you have watched a different used to watch a different world i think it's a show from the 80s oh, yeah. and the her yeah. mom was on that show and as soon as i saw her i got excited because i used to watch that when i was a kid uh, but yeah the relationship with her mom is interesting but i think it is something that's so common with you know non-white mm-hmm. families i think there's definitely a lot more pressure from parents for you to kind of settle down and find a partner and especially for yeah. women because we're seen as needing to have a man to take care of us um, and mm-hmm. like how we're kind of not going to be okay unless we have a man. And you know, my parents aren't really like that so much, but a little bit like my mom definitely once now that I'm engaged, she, she kind of will reference sometimes like, Oh, now that I know you're okay, I don't have to, I can relax thinking about you not got to worry about your sister. And it's like, well, <laughs> you know, now my sister is engaged too, but there's like, an element of, oh, you're okay if you're with a stable man. Once you're with a stable yeah. man, you're good and I don't have to worry about you, which is just interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I think it's just a thing in Caribbean cultures and black cultures too. It's just like, yeah. listen, this is the way it's done. So mm-hmm. do it. Like kind of like, you know, like this is just the way it's done. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I love my mother. She can be overbearing and she's supportive. And I think, I mean, she's supportive of me not wanting necessarily to partner up and live with someone or I would get married. And I'm like, it's my life. I just always say, I'm like, it's my life. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, as soon as you want to start paying my bills, you can, uh, you can have a say. <laughs> fair. That's so I fair. To, I also say that to my father too, because he's also, I think he's more overbearing than my mother is. He'll like get ideas okay. and he has these ideas and thoughts in his heads of how my life should go. And I'm like, uh-huh, right. that's great. But um, yes. no, but thanks. But no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it just, we listen to it. And I'll take that under advisement, but you know, we have our own plans. So I hear that. <laughs> Um, okay, let's get into Angie, the final character, um, the final of the friend group. What did we think about Angie this season? Did we see some growth? Were we happy for her towards the end? Um, yeah. I saw Angie uh, kind of push herself past her comfort zone this season, which I enjoyed, yeah. uh, especially knowing more of a background of that she had a record label and then that fell through. And I think mm. she was feeling a little bit lost in the first season. And kind of was just focusing on other areas of her life, like her love life was like always popping off. So, and that's totally fine. But I like I love seeing in season two that she was like you know putting herself in scenarios where she wasn't necessarily comfortable and outside of her comfort zone, um, in order to kind of get back on the horse with her career. And I love 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 seeing her go home and like see where she gets her like attitude and like outlook on life from her mother. I was like, okay, this woman needs to be on my shoulder, especially during hard times. Like her mother, like. The way she, the affirmation she told her child and told her 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 daughter, I thought was so beautiful. Um, but yeah, I think overall it was nice to see Angie kind of grow and come into her own in season two. And even though she dealt, dealt with hardships, like you know being on set for a TV show where the hairdresser who was being paid to do the hair of the actors cannot do black hair, mm. uh, felt seen in that moment for sure. Um, I have dealt with that too, where people are kind of like, oh, well, like it's okay, we'll just do this to that. I'm like, well, that's not going to work, but okay, sure. Um, but yeah, that's overall my thoughts on Angie in season two. I definitely love to see, love seeing her growth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think what they were originally trying to do with Angie's character and why she was so kind of promiscuous is I think they were trying to reclaim that narrative that Black women are fast and they were trying to mm. have it be a positive thing. Like, yes, she's a sexual person and who cares? And she owns it and she loves herself. But it did start to become a little flat, like one note. And so I'm happy that they did show other sides of her, both her emotions with her friends, her like insecurities around her career, and then her ability to now fall in love. 
Um, but I do think they kind of rushed the whole relationship with her and her man. Like, I just don't really see the connection as strongly as I think they wanted us to see their connection. Yeah, I'm just not believing. Yeah. I'm not believing in them as much as I think we should be at this point. I, I liked the way I like kind of where their relationship was going, but I think we could have used more story there. I think we could have used more yeah. of seeing their relationship. I completely agree. So sorry, Ash- Ashley, I'm going to just get this point. No, no, go I'll ahead. Get to you. Um, I would just want to echo what you said about her family, because I was expecting, you know, after seeing Camille's home and her mom, I was expecting that Angie would go home and her family would just be in shambles. They would put her down. They weren't going to support the acting career. But to really just go back and see that it was a, like it was just full of life and she left there feeling really supported. I was like, OK, I'm really happy because, you know, like this is the, this is representation that I came for. So I was really happy about that. And then with her, with the new blossoming relationship with Michael. Yeah, Michael. You're right. In the first episode, you were on this thing about trying to like sleep with the finest men in New York. And then seven episodes later, you're in a relationship engaged, actually. <laughs> yeah. Like, what is going on? So I agree. I agree. Sorry, Ashley. Go ahead. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. I agree with that statement, too. Like, I felt it was very rushed. I'm hoping that that means that we'll see her growth in season three because it left it on a cliffhanger. We didn't see her say yes, necessarily. And I'm hoping oh, yes. because she's kind of been she's been really impulsive throughout the first two seasons and I'm hoping that we'll see her grow and be like, you know, I really like you and I feel like this could go somewhere, but like, this is really too fast. And I don't want, I, I would hope that they would push her past the impulsivity of just saying yes, just to be engaged to some guy that she's literally known for 30 seconds. Like, yes. didn't Quinn know this man longer? And Quinn knew him longer, like, Quinn knew him for a minute. So like, you know, like, yeah. let's, you yeah. know, put, put the guy, like, put the pedal to the metal. Like, let's just like put our foot on the brakes and kind of take a breather. <laughs> The one scene that had me, and this was also during Pride, during the Pride Parade, and she was just running everywhere to get her phone charged so that she could get a message from Michael. And I was that like, was Angie, so <laughs> yo, yeah. <laughs> They're like, oh, we running? Everyone's running. Yeah, we're, no, we're I love running. that. <laughs> <laughs> that was so that amazing. Was, that was such a good scene. I loved it. But yeah, like one thing that Angie's going to do, like you mentioned, Ashley, is be impulsive, is think about something for two seconds and then we're doing it. Like she doesn't really think twice, three times. No, no, no. She's doing it. And Leanna, you made a good point. I, I did see it in the beginning of season one, that whole idea of, you know, reclaiming sexuality. And I saw it, but then afterwards I was like, okay, so she just going to sleep with this man, still s- sleep on Quinn's couch. Like it just, I was like, let's give her a little bit more. So I, that's, I think that's why I really enjoyed seeing her visit her family and it kind of allowed me to understand more of her story and, and, and all that stuff. So, yeah. Um, lastly, on Angie, this argument, disagreement that she had with Quinn. Was that warranted? Was Quinn overreacting? What do we think? I think Quinn just had other things going on because I was like, do you even remember what this man looks like? That's what like, I'm saying. I, I don't really... I didn't seem like it was warranted at all. I think it just, I think it was just other elements going on in each of their lives that kind of festered and caused it to happen. Because at the end of the day, I was like, when you barely talked to the man, you spent more time talking to your father on, like, on the golf course. Like, what's the issue? <laughs> right. exactly. He could have been your brother. You could have been, like, he literally could have been your brother. Like, the way you guys were interacting, it wasn't, there was nothing there. 
I wouldn't yeah. even consider that a date considering she did she not know like her mom kind of brought him along and she had no idea exactly. so I wouldn't even consider that to be a date per se either like when she was like my Michael I was like or my Mike I was like who yours <laughs> yeah literally I was, like, I was like the Michael that you told your mom no you guys both agreed on the golf course you weren't interested in each other so what's going on like you know so I yeah I agree yeah I think it was more just a jealousy thing of or a scarcity thing of Oh, if Angie, of all people, the one who's supposed to be the messiest for the relationships is now kind of finding someone, what does that mean for me as somebody who's been actively trying to find someone for a bit? So I think it was just kind of like a an ego thing, like, oh no, like now you're going to be in a good relationship and you're supposed to be the one that doesn't have good relationships and I still haven't found my person. So I think there was just a little bit of growth that Quinn needed to do around that. What you just said is so real because I think it speaks a lot to when in friend groups, you're that friend that looks put together and then, but really things are crumbling for you and you're not voicing it out and you're seeing other people starting to kind of find the pieces and put them together. And then you feel like you're getting left behind. That's real. That's real. And I think that's what Quinn, because I think she even voiced that in the, the final episode and said, you know, I was just scared that I would lose you because she was sort of. I think even though she complained about it, she enjoyed being Angie's safety net. We use that word for lack of a better word. You know, Quinn, you know, Angie would come to her for advice, for shelter, for for Uber money, like for everything, you know? So I think seeing Angie sort of grow her wings, fly, leave was sort of like, man, this is really happening. And it shocked her a little. So Mm -hmm. it was challenging. Yeah. Yeah. Mm hmm. Which is also why it's like good to remind yourself that everyone has their own journey and you can share like, you know, a lot of things and chapters with people like get the friends and your loved ones around you. But like at the same time, like just because Leanna, who's a good friend of mine, is engaged doesn't mean I'm engaged. Like, you know what I mean? Like that doesn't mean anything. And that doesn't mean I can't be happy for her in this amazing time in her life. Like why? Why should like I've always been like, why shouldn't I be happy? Which is why Mm -hmm. also when people aren't happy for me, I'm like, okay bye. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? (laughs) See ya. Because like it's a two-way street. I'll be happy for you. You'd be happy for me. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yes. I love seeing them come together at the end and figure it out and have that conversation. And that Quinn realized that, you know, like Deanna said that she, you know, it was her ego and she realized what was best for her friend was for her to explore this new relationship and for her to be supportive of that new relationship. For sure. Okay. So I think we'll end this segment off this way. Are there anything that is there anything that we're looking forward to in season three? with regards to their friendship or like their friendship dynamic or are we just happy to still see the girls kick it (laughs) i i want to see the girls kick it yeah and i'm i guess i'm just curious to see you know i love that they're around the similar age to like me and i think us here and i i think i'm just Mm-hmm. Curious to see how their friendship shifts as they all go through major life transitions around mm-hmm. fertility and marriage and like kind of big things like that. Like, how is their friendship going to continue to evolve together and how are they going to continue to support each other? So, I'm excited just to see how those storylines play out. That's real. Yeah. I'm excited yeah. just to see the individual growth for all four of them and then how that affects their friendship dynamic. And um, how it grows and evolves, like Diana said, because you know, as you enter different stages and go through different things, you need you have different needs, right? Um, but they definitely seem to have a very deep love for each other and deep support for each other through the thick and thin. Um, so yeah, I'm excited just to have another season. I really enjoyed the first two. So yeah, yeah, me too. Thank you so much, Ashley and Leanna, for you know being on for talking all things Harlem. 
I feel like I definitely want to have you both come on and talk about other different shows. You know, I don't know if y'all talk about reality TV, but Love is Blind season yes. four. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We might have to do I, that. <laughs> I am a reality TV junkie. I like just okay. all, all the Netflix reality TV shows. I'm I'm on Listeners, it. Listeners, <laughs> you heard it here first. We, we might have a have another episode talking about Love is Blind. <laughs> I will say I've never watched it. I'm more of a Real Housewives fan. So Ooh. I've actually never watched Love is Blind. I'm, okay, I just Ashley. started Ultimate Girls Trip. There's season three in oh. Thailand. Like that's like my shtick. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> I will say, watch Love Is Blind season four. I'm not like a big reality person either, but Love Is Blind seems to be the one that's got me. So I will say, just it's very good. Check out season four. Check out season four. There's a couple that we're rooting for. Uh, Tiffany and Brett. We're rooting for them. Fingers crossed. It's, ex- it's yes. showing black love if, right if, now. If it so doesn't work out, I don't know. My whole life is going to be in shambles <laughs> if it doesn't work out. Girl, I just I, love like, watching people post about this on social media because I'm like, who are these people? I don't know right? who these people are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but no, we're definitely going to we're going to talk about it and definitely do something with regards to Love is Blind. So be ready. <laughs> okay. But, um, <laughs> but okay, ladies, before I let you go, you know, um, love to end off our podcast episodes with a segment, getting to know a little bit more about our guests. So I'm going to ask you both, you know, four, four fun, lighthearted questions. And without thinking too hard, I just want to know the first answer that comes to mind. So social media is best used when? You're sober. <laughs> and in a good mental space. In a good mental space. <laughs> Ashley, have you been through some things? <laughs> no, I just I just feel like, you know, that we, we become so attached to it. And some people, you know, make some decisions that Fair. are not maybe the smartest ones. Like Camille going to her boss's house drunk. Like, don't do Fair. that either. Fair, yeah. fair, fair. The first thing that came to my mind was that kind of similar-ish. It's best used when you're in a good place. Like when you're feeling like in a positive kind of mindset because social media can kind of really suck you in and put you in a dark place. So if you're yeah. if you're feeling like to get a little bit woo woo with people, if you're feeling a little bit in flow, if you're feeling a little bit like, you know, good and connected, okay, good time for you to put out put something out there on social media and, you know, be creative with it. But if you're feeling like you're in a bad place, just put the phone away for a little bit. Stay away. Yeah. Okay. I like that. Um, okay, next question. What's an item that you don't leave the house without? Like you must have this item with you when you're leaving. It's really sad to say about my phone. Okay. <laughs> like really sad. And also my glasses because I can't see without yes. those. So well, phone and glasses. Phone and glasses. Me. Okay. Leanna? <laughs> lip, lip balm and hand sanitizer just in today's you world. You need a lip balm. <laughs> yes. And after the pandemic, <laughs> hand sanitizer. I agree. I agree. Mm-hmm. Okay. Can I just plug that I'm a germaphobe and I've been having hand sanitizer on me for years? Yes. Years before the pandemic. And we're all I was just like, catching up. I was the weirdo. I was the weirdo who'd be like, any hand sanitizer for anyone? People give me looks. And now everyone's like, oh, hold on. Let's get our hand sanitizer out. So <laughs> right? I feel so seen now. I and appreciated. That. <laughs> um, okay. What's a song that when it comes on, you you have maybe like some really good memories attached to this and it just feels like it's the soundtrack to your life? Um, because Beyonce was completely like the the <laughs> the album in the year was stolen from her. I completely like started wa- listening to her whole album Renaissance and Heated is like my favorite jam at the gym. If it comes on, I lose my shit. And okay. um, have to kind of focus and like not drop dumbbells on myself yeah. because I just love it so much. Okay. Mm-hmm. So Renaissance, so Heated by Beyonce. Cool. Okay. That's a good question. I'm like really bad with remembering. I'm a big movie TV person, but music, uh, like I listen to music, but I have a hard time remembering who sings the song or who's this person. 
But I'll say like, like anything Megan the Stallion and anything Lizzo. Yeah. If either of them come on, I just feel so like empowered by their music. Girl. It's I'm like, a hot girl. I do hot <laughs> shit. Exactly. Uh, like, I know, right? <laughs> it's just they make yeah. the most empowering music. Liz- Lizzo and Megan the Stallion, I'd say, are like my two ultimate. Yeah. I went to the Lizzo concert in 2019 and it was like prolific. Oh, that was amazing. It was amazing. Yeah. It was like going to church. It was amazing. <laughs> yeah. Prolific is the right word. And Lizzo's voice really will take you to church. Like, yeah. yeah. She's she's great. All right. Last question. What is the most beautiful place you've ever been to? Mm. Ooh, recently for me, the Bahamas. Um, it was gorgeous. And it was my first vacation in the pandemic. And just to see a beach and the ocean and just be like, wow, nature is just a beautiful, like mother nature. We don't give her enough credit. We destroy her. I don't, I don't even get me started on that. And yeah, that's my most recent one. Okay. Mm, for me, it's uh, Portugal. My dad is Portuguese and I've been to Portugal maybe at least eight times. I know it's like popping off for people now, but it is, yeah. it is, it is so beautiful. Porto specifically is one of my favorite cities in the world. It's like an old wine city. I haven't been in a couple of years. It's probably a little bit different now because of all the tourists, but it's just such a beautiful place. And there's a lot of rich, old school European culture. Okay. Both on my list. So I'm definitely going to be saving, researching because Portugal has been on my list for a little bit and Bahamas is, yeah. Feel free to DM me for some yeah. Portugal recs. Yes. I want some recommendations. What did we stay? What food did we eat? I'll be connecting. <laughs> um. But all right. Thank you so much, ladies, for being on the podcast. This was amazing. We're going to have many more. Um, before I let you go, you know, just share your socials, how people can connect with yourselves, the Cove Collective, listen to the podcast um, and all of it. Mm-hmm. So we are shaping the narrative basically everywhere. So on Instagram, shaping the narrative, podcast, shaping the narrative, and then our Substack account, I believe is covecollective.substack.com. Uh, but and then the name of our newsletter is shaping the narrative but you can find it by searching cove collective on substack all right perfect all right thank you so much for being on the podcast again appreciate both of you this is great thank you for having us yeah thank you this was a fun conversation Right, so that brings us to the end of this podcast episode. Thank you for tuning in and listening to my conversation with Ashley and Leanna of the Cove Collective, you know, breaking down the Harlem TV show, talking all things friendship, growth, relationships, all of it. This was such a fun episode to record. So I'm so grateful to the two ladies for, you know, joining me and having this conversation. And so I hope you enjoyed listening to it as well. Of course, share this with all your community, you know, share with your mama, your uncle, your auntie and them, share with everyone. <laughs> And of course, be sure to keep the conversation going on our social media pages, Instagram and TikTok at BWDIK podcast. Make sure that if you haven't, you give us a five star rating or review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, whichever it is that you're listening to. And as always, you know, drink your water, mind your business. And y'all will hear from me real soon. Bye for now.